0: Platform listeners, Rachel from Clevu here. Clevu has recently helped Puma increase search-led conversion by 53%. We've also just introduced a host of new features as part of the Clevu AI product discovery suite. Get a demo at Clevu.com.
1: Welcome back to the Replatform Podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in. It's myself James Gurdon, joined by my co-host Paul Rogers. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? Sun is shining, slightly shivery from my uh my COVID jab, so I'm all good. That's good. Um, well, good that I'm shivery, thank you. I appreciate the <laughs> concern. So. Um. So we've got a, a, a feast of a discussion today around omnichannel commerce. So before I introduce our guests, let me just kind of set the scene about what we've been talking about. So omnichannel customers on average spend more than single-channel customers. There's lots of stats around this. According to Bloomreach, nine out of 10 consumers want omni-channel experience with seamless service between communication methods. But the number of touchpoints is increasing, so the need for seamless integration from one touchpoint to another becomes a bit more complex. Is that social ads, email, mobile notifications, chatbots, face-to-face in-store, lots of different ways that customers can communicate with brands and retailers. So breaking down the walls between channels is a key challenge for business and empowering consumers to interact with companies in the way that feels natural to them. And that can vary from customer to customer. So that's the theory, right? Sounds amazing. How does it really play out in practice? What drives results? What do customers really want? What are the common issues that omnichannel businesses need to understand? So we've invited on two highly experienced omnichannel e-commerce directors who've got a wealth of practical learning, having worked with a a large range of brands, including Aspinall, Arg, LK Bennett, and Crew Clothing. So welcome to the platform. First, uh, let's welcome David Williams. Hi, Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us, David. How are you today, mate? I'm fine, thank you. Joy of spring. Enjoy
2: your mountain bike ride. I did enjoy my mountain bike ride. As I was just saying, the bluebells are out. It's nice and sunny. What's not to love?
1: Excellent. And also welcome uh, to the pla- uh, to the I speak the podcast, Graham Broomfield. Hi guys, how are you doing? I'm good, and how
3: are you today? Yeah, not too bad. As you say, the sun's out, it's shining. Uh, you know, you might even get a beer
1: in a garden sometime. <laughs> Fantastic. All well, right, not at, when this is finished at 10 a.m. Yeah, start early.
3: Yeah, start early.
1: Start is meant to go on. Um, before we start asking you loads of annoying questions, let's do the elevator pitches. So, like, David, if you want to go first, just spend a bit of time, tell people who you are, what you do, kind of what your background is.
2: Well, yeah. So, hi, everyone. So, I'm, a, I'm an experienced econ professional. Uh, I've got over 20 years of e-commerce experience and omni-channel experience for brands uh, such as Charles Tyrwhitt, Bows and Wilkins and the Decker's brands, which is well known for the Ugg brand. Um, and more recently, the last 18 months, I've, I've been a consultant and um, really my, my position is to help brands who want to either launch or accelerate their, and grow their e-commerce business and, and both at home internationally. So that's me. Wonderful.
1: Uh, Graham. how about yourself?
3: Yeah, so uh, like uh, like David, uh, I'm a consultant advisor, uh, over 20 years experience in digital retail. Uh, interesting roles over the last 20 years, stopped my career at eBay, uh, above a furniture shop in Putney in 1999. I mean, it seems way back now, doesn't it? Uh, one of the most interesting digital roles I took on was back in 2012, working for the Serbian royal family, uh, living and working in the royal palace, probably my, my favourite office uh, of all time, I think, at the moment. Uh, and I now help uh, global brands and tech businesses embrace digital across multiple industries, verticals, and disciplines. So, yeah, everything that, that possibly is across digital, really. Our recent clients include lots of high street retailers. I've uh, worked with LK Bennett, Crew Clothing, uh, AIDS Clothing. And I've just basically accepted a chief on the channel officer role uh, for a jewelry brand. But uh, I can't show any details just yet. And uh, watch this
1: space. Are oh, you teased? But congratulations. Um, that's, uh, I'm sure it'll be an interesting story to see unfold. Um, excellent. Are you guys ready to have your brains drained? Yeah, I think so. Excellent. Right, Paul, do you want to start firing away with the questions?
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, so maybe Graham, if, if you answer to start off with, and then David, if you then add your comments. Um, so first question, what are the biggest frustrations that shoppers have with businesses that sell across multiple channels and what causes them?
3: Sure, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's many challenges in there uh, that cause customer frustrations. I think, you know, what I've seen, kind of the biggest frustrations can seem to see shoppers with, you know, problems with delivery and returns, you know, even with click and collect, collecting store, you know, some stores don't offer, you know, great processes to notify the customers when the products are, you know, in the store for collection, mainly caused by issues around the retailer supply chain, you uh, And, you know, many stores don't even take full advantage of the customer coming into a store to collect items, you know, pre-booking, trial services, upselling opportunities to increase basket sizes. So I think there's the challenges around that. I think, you know, once a customer gets home, tries on the product, you know, or items, realises it's too big or too small, wants to exchange it for a different size, wants to return the item. I mean, that's, you know, it's another story, isn't it, altogether? I think especially the retailer is asking you to print off a label and, you know, I don't even have a printer myself, and then you guys do, but, you know, trying to print off a label when you don't
1: have a printer is, is it challenging itself, you know. Yes, and I often find that, that I go to my printer and it's either broken or there's no ink, and it's just a pain in the ass to then have to sort that out.
3: Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, challenges around that. I think, you know, the store not offering, you know, exchanges because you've purchased it online. You know, I've seen, you know, not recently, but, you know, last year, obviously, when we're in, you know, lockdown, uh, so customers have to send the items back to the warehouse, you know, and wait for the refund and you know, order again as well. You know, you want to you want that product, but you know, maybe it's too big or too small and you know, trying to be, then exchange it and maybe, you know, it's been sold out, you know, you're disappointed. You know, another one is the inability to check stock, you know, availability online for a particular store. You know, I know, you know, going shopping, you want to make sure that that product is in that store. uh You know, you want to touch an item, uh you know, bef- you know, before buying it, you know, making that purchase. Inability to do so means customers will order and return items more frequently. So, you know, lots of consumers, you know, buying products that, you know, they might not necessarily, you know, want to keep and they just return it and obviously that's more cost for you know the retailer and then you know i think you know the other things are you know stores not having the same items and you know the customer seen online you know worse a customer you know a website saying that the store has the item uh but then you know there's no stock there in the in the store as well causing you know major frustrations kind of around kind of retailer supply chain and i think you know Running different discounts, you know, online promotional offers and things like that, you know, so the store and the online uh, businesses, you know, are not aligned, uh, you know, just causes more frustration, you know, different refund policies and payment options. I think, you know, other things, you know, offering gift cards online, but you can't use them online, you know, you have to kind of use them in a physical store. So just
0: a real, you know, general lack of a joined up strategy across the business, really great um and then what is omni chat what a good omni-channel customer experience look like can you give a few examples of brands that are that are doing a really good job and why is that for me <laughs> um i mean yeah just a very
2: i mean again it, just ready to, to continue what graham said it's, it's all about stopping dead ends yeah so and everyone talks about seamless experience the one that always has, has been the pioneer for me on this is you just need to go to an Apple store <laughs> because of 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 the way it works. You know, it's 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 seamless. It's obviously based around your the fact that you you have an iPhone. or um, well, generally, all and and it's all driven around mobile. It's all joined up. Um, it's just it's just an excellent experience. But everyone knows that one. I think I think other examples, Can you hear me? The other two brands I've probably have highlighted I quite like. Uh, I think are trying to do a good job. Um, is Space NK I think do a good job? Not that I buy stuff myself there, but when I have bought um, things there, it feels very joined up. The way that they um, they re- they really understand the. Um, uh, for example, um, I bought for my wife some uh, some product there, um, and they asked me did she have an account? Um, they put it on against her account, and obviously then she could check that online. I thought that was brilliant. Very good example of something just very simple there. Um, that she got some loyalty points uh, based on my purchase, which I thought was great. And then the other one I really like is um, and I think is they really showed, and I don't want to call other names out of uh, in during the pandemic of how good they were set up already with ScrewFix. <laughs> um, in the way that it's it's so simple to order online and do click and collect with them. And it's such a slick, simple process to go in there, pick up your item. Uh, and, and go out really really straightforward uh, they've really got the um the click and collect piece bundled up
1: yeah de- i would 100% agree i do a lot of um very badly uh done amateur diy at home yeah, and Screwfix is my go-to place having done this with pre other places like home base the in-store experience is chaotic in comparison Screwfix, yes. within minutes you can pick up it's amazing um, I think
2: during the pandemic, James, it just showed. It really did show those who'd invested and who hadn't. I found the home-based experience very frustrating um, because they were you weren't able to see the stock in store. And yeah. at that time, it was you. Need, you wanted to go in and visit the store and with a very qualified experience. So yeah, I agree with you. Whereas Screwfix, brilliant.
1: Yeah, so, so let, let's talk about the operations in a bit more detail. As you touched on, uh, um, though, process is critical. So maybe let's let's um, move on to you, Graham, around this area. What do businesses need to fix operationally? Because finding out a process isn't good is one thing, but how can you fix this operationally to give a truly channel service? What are the key roles and skills that businesses need to plug in? Uh, I
3: think it's... I mean- you know, it sounds quite simple, but I think it's a, you know it's about creating an attitude and a mindset across the business. You know, it's around putting the consumer at the center of everything, right? So, you know, putting the customer, you know, needs at the heart of every you know strategy and everything that you do within the business. You know, be consistent, you know, with your branding across every you know touch point. I uh, think other things that you know, it's be honest and clear. You know, unify all your sales channels and use you know use the data that you collect. I mean, for me, it's you know, it's unless you, you know, every department buys into, you know, the the attitude and the mindset across the business of putting the consumer at the centre of everything, I think you're going going to fail. I think, you know, operationally, that's what you need to get your head around. I don't think there's necessarily, you know, particular roles or, you know, or skills uh, that you need. Uh, I think it's just that, you know, again, that, that attitude and mindset
1: yeah, I think that, that's that's a really interesting point actually about mindset being a, a critical enabler. So David, what's your perspective? So uh, Graham just talked yeah. about the mindset and aligning people. How do you get retail and, non, uh, and uh, non-retail and um, non teams on board? How do you remove, because con- conflict's often an issue where yeah. people don't get behind digital because they perceive it potentially as a threat. So how do you get them on board? Yeah,
2: so I, I, think, um, I think there's a couple of things here really. So I, I, I'd argue that, the, I completely agree with Graham. But the customer centricity is important, but I'd also say that retail teams are very customer centric, but you've got to think about what drives them, yeah, um, and what drives a retail team, because remember, if you're in a retail store, you're kind of a bit, you're a bit, you're a bit away from head office normally, you're not really part of that central team, they're driven by sales, they're driven by pleasing a customer and getting sales and hitting their targets, so you have to play to those strengths there. Yeah, so if you're going in there and saying you've got to do all these things to get e-commerce sales, you're gonna you're gonna really hit a barrier. So a lot of it is about the soft skills there of influencing, persuading, area management, store managers, retail directors that this is the right thing. One thing I have we did do uh, with Argo Deckers was attribute soft sales, so that you know because in in a, in a pure financial P and L perspective, um, it, it, when you look at the numbers at the end of the day, if you're driving sales through a website. The, the systems generally don't attribute those to the store. So you have to find a way of attributing soft sales to say you've helped in the sales process and we're gonna recompense you for it. Um, again, work, work, work to their strengths about the, the, the benefits of these qualified customers coming in and, and the opportunities for upselling and cross-selling because that's what store staff wanna do, really important. Um, the other thing, I, and I'll probably bang on about it later is, is is building relationship with the retail operations and communications teams. Because they're the ones who put all the processes in place and they're the ones who are going to communicate um, to these store staff who are remote um, about the processes and the shifts that are going to happen. Super important. So these, these are all these are all things that you need to do um, to do that. And then the final thing, the final thing which is so important to me is, is making sure that your technology, when you put it in place, works. That that is super important because if it doesn't work or the processes don't work. Or if you're using iPads in store and they're not, you know, and, and they keep breaking, you're going to lose confidence in those teams. So there's, there's lots, there's lots to do um, when you do on the channel.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I think uh, I've definitely seen one of the challenges I've seen with some of our clients has been, um, yeah, getting the people from the physical stores really bought in. And even when you get like some level of attribution there, it feels like it's like a recognition piece almost. Um yeah. Yeah, that's always been a bit of a barrier. Um, Paul, very quickly on that,
2: I think yep. you know, again, there's there's an element there that you can make them competitive against each other, and that's one other thing the stores like. So if you can add that as a incentive for the staff, that's that 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 can help.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, and then Graham, so stock visibility and accuracy is a big part of this. How do you get that right, and what happens if you don't get that right?
3: Yes, I think, you know, I mentioned kind of one of the frustrations, I think, from a customer point of view is trying to check, you know, stock online and, you know, in a particular store, you know, I think, you know, many retailers that kind of talked about, you know, a central, you know, source of the truth across all channels in terms of your stock, you know, it causes, you know, customer frustrations, loss of sales, you know, when you can't find the stock, you know, I think Zara, you you know, Lululemon, uh, you know, use uh, RFID tags, you know, to manage their stock across their supply chain. Uh, you know, I think you know we should be probably seeing a lot more of this in terms of retailers using you know RFID tags to manage their stock and supply chains. Because, yeah, I mean, if you if you get it wrong, uh, you know, if you've got asset-based lending, your stock uh, accounts are wrong, uh, you're gonna you know gonna lose out. Uh, I think it's kind of well documented. You know, Ted Baker. Uh, LK Bennett, uh, you know, have lost kind of valuations, you know, based on the uh, the stock not being correct, uh, you know, when they've kind of gone into a, a style or, you know, process. So, yeah, you need to get stock visibility and accuracy right from an operational point of view, but also to reduce those customer frustrations and lost sales as well.
0: And uh, David, do you have anything to add to that or any kind of experiences around this?
2: No, I, I completely agree that the, 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 the source of solution really is RFID. Um, are really important, I think, because there's there are so many more complications uh, when you start doing Omnichannel. Um Say you're doing buy online, pick up in store, and the items you know, been handled and it's out in store somewhere and it gets lost. It's just so important that you know where your stock is because it'll bring up, if you don't have a good handle on that, you'll get the dead ends, the uh, the, the customer frustrations where they'll, they'll go in and they'll expect something and it's not there. It's, it's, it's super important. And then one other thing just to add on that, I guess, is 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 another another relationship you really need to get on top of is the store allocation team as well just just that you're really in in, in sync with what they're doing as well um because what you don't want to do is um you know have have a situation where you know things are selling through far too quickly from one location um and and it's out of stock and that frustrates the store uh can frustrate the customer and it's just it's just one of those another relationship you have to build
0: great um and then moving on to returns. so returns can be a big problem from a margin perspective and then also for me it seems to be the one that um has the most common issues um around some of these kind of omni-channel challenges um so so what are some of the challenges around returns and then what does kind of best in class like optimum setup look like Uh, is that
2: me i mean i think I think returns, I mean, returns at the end of the day are part of your margin. I mean, I have to say that. I know it's really tough to say that, but, you know, obviously the things to, to mitigate here, to give as much good up information up front on your website um, <laughs> as much as possible around the product. Make sure your sizing information is right, your, your your information about the materials, all those sorts of things if you're selling fashion products is, is super important. From an omnichannel perspective, um you know I mean some of the things to, to push on that is if if they do get you, you do sometimes get stores complaining about e-commerce returns in store um the other way to look at that sometimes again it was alluded to right at the beginning uh I think by you James is around you know is, is the um and Graham is the element of uh, exchanges I mean it's an opportunity to exchange product if it's in store so it's a great way to keep the sale um so you have to try and put those things in place and, and obviously um, there are companies like Rebounder again now who are making it easier to deflect returns to, to, to store locations and optimize your stock. So, I mean, it's, it's, part of, it's, part of, it's part of omnichannel business returns. You're just going to find ways to um, just you know, use, utilize other technologies or processes to mitigate it. Um, you know, I mean, one of the problems you will get from an omnichannel perspective in stores is, uh, I don't know if about you, Graham, but, but post-Christmas, I, there's always that extended warranty period that everyone has, um, and and um, uh, and there's always that you know, great. And people come into stores. The stores complain that that the, they're getting all these e-commerce returns because of Black Friday. Um, you know, and a, and a couple of things from that we we tried to do was one was um, we exposed to the area management retail directors the amount of returns that are coming from retail back to the warehouse because <laughs> they often get a little bit forgotten and uh, just to say look at the end of the day it's 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 kind of equal here because those tend to so that, so just to make sure that's visible and also just to try and put in some initiatives there to try and to cross sell up so when people are returning in store capture their data or try and or, or try and um, use it as an opportunity to engage them with other products.
1: Yeah I think those those are really nice points the opportunity Piece. It, it, uh, there is a cost, but there's an opportunity if you bring people into a controlled store environment. Um, I've got a mini question related to this actually for you, Graham. I've been intrigued to hear your viewpoint. There's there's been a few contentious uh, articles over the last few years of retailers who've used um, uh, machine learning to to weed out serial returners and either block people from returning or block people from ordering and put people on blacklist. Where where do you? What's your take on this? Is this good, bad, ugly? And you know.
3: I mean, I, I you know, I've, I've looked at this you know many times, even at the LK Bennett, and you know, repeat, there are you know, there are repeat returners, uh, you know, and it's there's a you know, as you kind of said, there's an, there's an opportunity there as well, you know, LK Bennett was just like you know this. this particular lady was ordering the same style of dress but you know she was saying oh it doesn't look right on me so you know why order the same style of dress you know instead of kind of you know targeting them and blocking these people it's about how can you educate them about the the shapes of the dresses or get them into for a personal you know uh styling appointment so there's opportunities around these repeat returners which you know, can capitalize on you know she's you know this particular lady was clearly a you know a loyal customer but you know, wanted to buy the, you know, the product, but it didn't look quite right on her. And, you know, we've got to understand that there are different shapes of people out there and not everything looks like the model, you know, in the pictures, right? So, you know, you have to adapt and kind of, you know, utilise, you know, different, you know, whether that's CRM strategies to capture these people and help them. It's not kind of, you know, blacklisting them or anything like that, unless, you know, it's, you know, some sort of fraud or something like that you can prove. But, you know, if they're returning it, generally it's not going to be fraud unless you know from a retailer's point of view you return it into a store and then they return it into the warehouse and you know kind of double refunds and things like that that i've seen before as well but you know ultimately you know you've got to kind of educate uh the customer around sizes because you know not everything is the same Uh, you know, another example. at LK Bennett is, you know, the shoes. You know, they're not made at the same uh, manufacturer, so there's some discrepancies in different sizes. So a size seven in a hill might not be the same. You know, size seven in a pump, they might be you know, different uh, in terms of the tolerance. So you have to kind of you know adapt uh, to those different customer needs.
2: Can I quickly add on to that, Graham? Just because um, that reminded me of another example I had, um, the where where we get teams to work together across channels. So. Uh, similarly with our um, uh, footwear especially fashion footwear can be very unforgiving so every Wednesday we used to get the a couple of the e team to go into store and do fit testing with them the store staff to find out and listen to them find out which products might be having issues on the website uh, uh, issues with sizing uh, and then basically look at new arrival new pro- new stock coming in that would then be fed back to the econ merchandising team and we put some messaging on the website this 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 item runs true to size this item is you know half a size too big too small so you know there are all these little mitigation things that you can do like that aren't there i mean it's 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 i think um you you and as you're absolutely right it's um, sizing is one of the biggest issues and you, you can't assume it's it's because people want to return people want to buy product that fits them
3: um, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. I mean there's, there's, there's simple things as well. So, you know, another example was, you know, there was a button on a the, on the sleeve that, that was done up. Uh, when people were trying on they were trying to force their hands you know through the button and, and basically ripping the button off and it was through the returns that then we kind of went through a process to undo the buttons because people you know are not undoing them when they're trying on so you know the buttons are undone they try it on they do the button up and then they love the garment right so then you reduce the returns it's little things like that that you use you need to use the data from your returns to actually you know educate the business about how you you know send products and kind of you know in a, in a yeah, you know, in a different
1: way, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a really nice point as well about how you can use uh, information to educate people and help take away some of those common barriers, um, either to purchasing, but also to them making people send something back because it's not what they expected it to be. Um, so let's let's move on to some metrics, actually. I love talking about metrics. What? Um, maybe um Graeme would like to go. Uh, um, sorry, David, would like to go first on this one. What metrics should retailers use to measure omni-channel performance, and how can that data actually be used to do something tangible?
2: Well, let's 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 get let's um, first of all let's let's get out there, out there the old lifetime value of the omni-channel customer. If you can, able to track a customer who ships, shops in both channels and see see their value over lifetime. If they're more valuable, that's a, a wonderful metric. That showcases the, the point of having an omni channel business. Um, getting into more specifics, um, um, if you're doing, um, obviously, if you're doing click and collect, um, again, going back to availability, was so, really, so the very small ones like that. Obviously, there's sales, yeah. So obviously, pay, you know how many sales there are that are driven from it. But one for us that was really one that for us that was really important at Decker's was the availability metric, because it would show a dead end of a consumer issue. Um, other ones that we often yeah, we used to look at data capture in store percentages. So each store would have a have a target because some some stores it was easier than others because they were a lot busier. So we, we, that's really important because that would show that you're capturing the customer data. I, and then breaking that down either to leads or to actual transactional customers was really important. Um, um, percentage of returns in store, and then we also had if you have endless aisle or that sort of capabilities there again, showing showing the percentage of sales percentage there of uh, sales against the that specific store's overall sales, so they could see how much endless aisle was driving additional revenue depending on the square footage of the store. There are so many. James, I mean, at the end of the day, there's, there's a lot of data, there's a lot of different things you can capture, but they're not, they tend to be for me um, a base of the website metrics, the in store
1: service metrics, and the sales metrics. Okay, I guess that, that's a nice way of, of categorizing it and then aligning metrics to that. Uh, yeah. Graham, any different take on any, it? Any other metrics that you've used over the uh, years?
3: And then, you know, David's spot on. I think the only one,
1: you know, that I would probably add is, you know,
3: customer satisfaction. So using, you know, surveys and things like that, you know, to collect, you know, more data. But, you know, the beauty of, you know, you know, this day and age is that we collect so much data. It's just, just use it, right? So, you know, if you can collect the data, have a purpose and use that data to improve, you know, sales or improve customer experiences.
0: And um, what have you, it so Graham, what have you learned from the last 12 months how, in terms of how businesses can and have adapted to make better use of tech to deliver customer service and, and generally kind of improve in this area?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, you know, hopefully we won't get the last 12 months ever again in our lifetimes. But, uh, you know, you never know, right, in terms of kind of what's going to happen. But You know, I think retailers, you know, lots of them used you know, their store staff to facilitate, you know, virtual appointments, you know, trying to, you know, certainly, you know, the clothing, you know, fashion industry is, you know, people still wanted really to try and touch, you know, products. So trying to utilize store staff, you know, with virtual appointments and kind of, you know, showing that, you know, the movement of product, I think has been great uh you know, stores have become kind of, you know, fulfillment centers. So those those retailers that have had store stock online, uh, you know, instead of having that store just sitting there while the stores have been closed, you know, they've, they've been using those to kind of, you know, ship out those products rather than, you know, keep them there. Uh, you know, and some have kind of kept open their, you know, they click and collect, uh, you know, utilising the store stock to facilitate web orders. So I think, you know, those brands that have kind of utilised their stores almost as, as mini warehouses and virtual appointments, uh, you know, have won, uh, you know, over the last 12 months. So I think that's, that's quite evident.
0: Great. And then, uh, David, do you, do you have anything to add to that in terms of trends that you've seen or kind of things that have been particularly impressive?
2: Um, no, I think I think I, I completely agree with Graham on those. Uh, you know, a lot of our bringing the store staff to the customer has been is is, is been a really um, encouraging thing to see because they have they have the experience of um, of selling product in a way that let's be honest, if you're an e-commerce or on, uh, online merchandiser, etc., at the end of the day, it's quite it's quite a um, emotionless transaction selling on e-commerce. So I, I've loved seeing that uh some of the some of those um some of those um innovative things that have happened i think it's for me it's the agility of, of uh, some of the ways that people have got around that has been really interesting whether it's using zoom zoom or, or whatever it's it, it's shown that you can do things without having to get uh, a, an absolute state-of-the-art system in
3: place to do it well, so even, even using kind of you know um you know facebook whatsapp and things like that you know it's you know the speed of some of these retailers to change things around and you know they don't need a you know completely polished you know piece of technology to go out to their customers they've they've adapted quite quickly i think you know as Dave said i think that you know the speed of that that's happened and turned around has been you know it's been great to see
0: yeah, absolutely. I think one of the bits of feedback we've had from clients that have done more of the kind of like appointment booking and like virtual shopping with still staff is the AOVs are higher and like the customer satisfaction rates are higher. Um the other one that we've seen is like we've probably had six plus clients uh move to Hero. I think they must be one of yeah. the most uh yeah, like the ones that have done best out of the uh, the pandemic. And it feels like there's a few new technologies in that space as well. But yeah, I agree. It's good to see that people have done that. And then uh, continuing with the technology theme, David. So the, the industry tends to get overexcited at times by kind of technology and things like some examples in the omni-channel space being Bluetooth beacons, AR, et cetera. Um, what role um, of this type of tech, uh, what is the role of this type of tech and how do you think businesses should be adopting new technology?
2: I'm, I'm cynical on that. <laughs> on those i i I mean bluetooth beacons has been around for ages as 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 uh, augmented reality um you know um and there was you know the things previously like magic mirrors and interactive displays in in store you know i think and, and and you don't see any of them anymore i just don't think i just think in the current environment you're in don't focus on those. Get the basics right. Get those dead ends fixed first of the of customer experience. So as we talked about right at the beginning, you know, um, you know, getting any 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 return all those returns process etc. and uh, those things in place. So I think, you know, the things that drive tangible results for me are things that drive sales. Um, you know, and improve customer experience. Uh, you know, end the to me is is the obvious one, because if you've got a small store and you've got a lot of stock online and it's out of stock for some reason, then you've got the opportunity to sell. That that sort of thing is super important to me. Click and collect, click and reserve. Just get those, just get those basics right. They're really important. And the technologies that you can get around that, you know, whether it's hot wax, whether whoever it might be, um, in um, you know, news store, whoever, it's it, it's it's trying to get those things right. Um the, the other things can be distractions to me. You know, only I think only once you're if you're a Nike, you can do it. <laughs> um, you know you think about how they've invested in in their stores as brand flagships but um, I think just get those get those things first that drive the revenue the drive the ROI and then you'll probably be allowed to try some other things but I do like the bookings and uh, I think the one thing that has come out and I think you know it's been that elements of um, uh, store stuff shown online that was the one I think that I think now that I would probably be investing in that you just alluded to
1: so so, uh, Graham, earlier on, David touched upon uh, installed devices like iPads for teams. How how have you seen technology help store teams to sell better?
3: Yeah, I think uh, I think the f- the first thing is you need to get buy-in from you know the uh, the store staff, right? You know, David touched on earlier about you know if you're getting technology in there, you know, making sure it works. Uh, I think you know, for me, it's you know. Yes, you need to, you know, get buy-in, but you know, make sure it works is 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 the key. I think in terms of you know how do you uh, how do you educate you know the store staff to you know embrace the technology and understand why they need to use it to increase sales and improve efficiencies, right? So I think my my take on it is if you imagine a you know a shoe store, a customer comes in, says, Oh, I like these shoes ask for you know size usually the sales system would go out back and rummage you know around the store and try and find uh you know that that size right so and then if you're lucky she comes out and says okay you you know we've found the size or if you're unlucky she comes out and says oh no we haven't found it well you know if you've got a piece of technology that you know you can see the the stock and the size availability and you don't need to run out the back uh, you know that's going to be useful uh for not only for that for you know the, the sales assistant, but also for the customer. Uh- you know, if the if the product's out of stock, you can you know seamlessly show you know similar shoes uh, in the size that the customer has asked for. So, I think you know for me it's it's that education part. You know, getting the buy in from the sales assistant and and really showing them how they can uh, transform. You know, uh, a, a you know ultimately a lost sale into a you know into a sell.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It, it? It's coming back to some of the points you both made earlier about uh, bringing people on the, on the journey and educating them and helping them to use it rather than giving them tech and expecting them to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of linked to that uh, and to the point you made earlier, uh, David, about you know not being obsessed by gimmicks and focusing on what delivers value. So linked to that is poor technology selection. So if you've thought of of technology as important but you don't select it correctly, that can impede the business well. Have you got any examples you can share where – the wrong technology can imp- actually impede a business rather than helping it. Wrong technology, yeah. Oh. So, as in, you're trying to implement something, but you've gone through the selection process wrong and made a mistake in like, it. Well, what are some of the issues you've seen where the technology hasn't been aligned properly with the business need or process?
2: Um, oh, god, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I think a, a good example, a good example, has been doing um, data collection in store um and um i guess uh, originally at, um at decas we, uh, we we had a problem in that we could only do it through the the epos the, the point of electronic point of sale um utilizing the oracle retail system it was and it was really really tricky so we, we tried every sort of way to get that to work through that it was clunky it was difficult um you know um it's it's it, I think sometimes they're just not built that way, and what it does is it again goes back to the point <laughs> Graham and I've been making about if the technology doesn't work, it won't get used. <laughs> so we started to notice that, so we ended up um, ended up tri- tri- trialing wire-, wire receipts and 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 had a massive uplift. Just the process of of, of making the consumer into their details and, and linking it in was was much faster, and and um, because it, it it meant that it didn't have to go through the kind of the the, the, the cumbersome. Uh, till system that we had so that's just a good example of something where you've had to had to react to it I think that's a, that's that's
1: probably the best one I can think of okay cool yeah I like to put people on the spot with annoying the questions then um, Graham have you got any other examples at all you can share um where you've seen um a, a piece of technology that's not been put in properly and has caused more problems than it is solved? I, I think more so it's
3: Basically, you know, I think every business I've joined over the last kind of ten years actually has had some piece of technology that, you know, either isn't being used or is being used incorrectly, and I think it, you know it boils down to staff members not being trained, you know, properly. The tech provider, you know, hasn't reconnected after they've kind of you know sold the tech into them. You know, teams change all the time. Uh, you know, I think you have to you know onboard and then re onboard. Uh, I think. You know, one of the one of the biggest uh, things I saw. You know, I joined LK Bennett the first time round in in 2015, and they had uh, well, they had kind of signed off uh, a kind of a search merch uh, merchandising tool for their online uh, website, and it had been running for eight months. But you know, I, I looked at it and came in uh, looking at the PL and had been paying five thousand pounds for a, a, a month for a tool that you know they hadn't even integrated into uh, into Hybris. So they weren't, they, you know, they wasn't even using it. They just signed it off, uh, paid the, you know, pay on the invoices and hadn't even used it. Well, you know, needless to say, it took me you know, probably five minutes to cancel the contract and uh, save £5,000 a month. Uh, I think the other things, you know, is the second time round I joined LK Bennett was that, you know, there was this need to, well, this kind of thought to remove technology because, or, you know, or replace it because, you know, they hadn't, you know, as I said, kind of, they hadn't been trained properly on, you know, what the, the tool would, um, you know, being, being used. So I think there's, you know, ultimately technology providers need to, you know, continue to onboard uh, and re onboard teams uh because otherwise you know that's that's you know, why teams don't use uh, the technology um and you know it becomes a it becomes a challenge for the business because you're then always paying your know, integration costs
0: uh as well okay great and um graham what are some of the cool technologies that you've seen or used that can help to drive uh omni-channel customer experience um or service or revenue um so we've mentioned rebound um what are some of the other ones that you've seen
3: I, I think, you
0: know,
3: there's been, there's been a couple, but I think, you know, kind of going against what David said about uh, AR really, uh, kind of, you know, Pandora, uh, you know, I've been watching for, for quite a while in terms of kind of you know, building, the, you know, digital hub out in Copenhagen, you know, they, they, I think it was about three, you know, maybe even four months ago now that they announced this, uh, you know, customers can now try on their, their jewellery virtually. Uh, I think the, the product that I use is called Tangibly, um, but it's, you know, ultimately it's AR uh, technology that, you know, you take a picture of your, you know, your hand and you can kind of see, uh, you know, rings or bracelets, you know, on your, on your wrist. And obviously, you know, the fact that you haven't been able to go into a, you know, into a store uh during the pandemic is is meant that you know they've seen kind of you know sales you know increase through you know utilizing this particular piece of uh, technology. So I think you know it's horse courses in terms of I don't think this is necessarily going to be something that you know people will uh continue to use, but I think it's just in terms of looking outside the box what can we do now at this right right time and put something in place that you know we can you know continue to utilize sales because I think that you know, try on jewelry virtually. You know, you want to see what that ring looks like or, or bracelet potentially uh, before you before you make a purchase. Otherwise, you're going to get more returns
0: yeah absolutely the other thing that tangibly does is um they do the whole size comparison piece, don't they? so we've had like a couple of clients use it where you can kind of compare like a bag to a laptop and things like that um which again yeah adds a lot of value um and then David, do you have anything to add to that like what are some of the technologies that you've seen that you've been particularly impressed with
2: oh i mean that's, that's, i mean you already you already alluded to heroes, so i mean again that's that's that to me is. I think that's the next stage for everything that, that, that people should be focusing on is, is that, getting those store staff in, in, in uh, slightly more engaged on the website. I think that I've been quite impressed with what I've seen there. I'm really at hard. I'm trying to remember the name of the, the company. I've been talking to a company, um, I think they're called Kumu, um, who are looking at um, utilizing QR codes more in store. And I do think that's gonna be an opportunity uh, coming up because I think everyone with the NHS apps uh, qr codes obviously are huge in china uh, for social commerce and and for everything i think um, again this 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 technology was really just more about placing qr codes um, uh, um near product and and then allowing you to find out more details about that product in a very straightforward way you know by just scanning it um and I, and i thought that was really useful to be to get that installed rather than having to navigate to a website etc and find the product page um and i just haven't seen that as much pre-pandemic I think we're going to see more of that coming out and I think that's going to be quite important um so bringing the the wealth of information um that is available online to a customer in, a, in an easy to digest format um when they go
3: and visit stores like that is going to be crucial I think the other the yeah. other thing as well I think um uh, you know these try before you buy uh you know services that are kind of popping up so Harper Concierge uh you know, you can go onto a clothing website, you can click on the button, you know, in a 25 mile radius of, you know, the M25 and, you know, add a few products to your basket and actually get them delivered, you know, to your house, try them on. And then, you know, if you like them, you can purchase them. So it kind of, you know, increases the basket values, reduces returns rates as well. I think you're probably going to see more of that as you know, less people want to, you know, go into stores, you know, during these kind of, you know, uncertain times, because they still are uncertain, right? You know, I know lots of people want to get back, they want to go shopping. And, you know, I think the high street is going to be a different space. Um, but I think, you know, utilising any any tools that makes it easier for a customer to, you know, try on or kind of get into a, you know, into a store, you know, from a digital
1: point of view is is the key. Is key. Excellent. So we've talked about a lot of different things today. We've uh, talked about the context of Omnichannel, the operational side, uh, in-store technology, et cetera. Um, So now I'm going to ask you the the fun question. So let's start with you, Graham. If you could just share one top tip for e-commerce teams to help them improve their Omnichannel thinking or their Omnichannel capabilities, what, what would it be? What would be a key takeaway?
3: I think, you know, every day, I think, you know, Everyone collects an incredible wealth of data around the customer, you know, what pages they visit on the website, what they add to their basket, eventually buy or, you know, what they leave behind, you know, what items sell better where, which products are, you know, often returned, what items are most popular, you know, with top customers and and more, right? So, you know, for me, successful omnichannel retailers capture this data and turn it into actions, you know, so, you know, my, I guess my top tip would be use the data you collect, Yes, (laughs)
1: Yes, <laughs> wise words, I, yeah. and I think we've all seen it. in So many businesses yeah. where so much work put into things like measurement frameworks and, and setting up analysis, and then the anal- analysis off the back of it's not done, which is a strange thing. Uh, so that's very good words of advice. So, David, how about you? What what would be one of what be kind right. of the key? Topic for
0: you?
2: Great. Graham's got a great point, but my one is if you're going to do it, being if you're going to drive omnichannel capabilities within your business, spend a day a month in store every month every month go to a store listen to the customers talk to the store staff ideally go in with a retail operations uh, manager or head of retail operations and an area manager and try and go to different stores because you you will not succeed without understanding how a store works how the staff work what the customer problems are you know even just small things like you need to understand the the, the lack of capacity of the store layouts in all the stores you go to if you've got I mean, obviously if you've got 300 stores is pretty difficult but you need to get an understanding and feeling of 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 those of, of that because that'll 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 um get you buy in with the retail store stuff. So really important that you do that if you just do everything from the ivory towers you're not gonna you're gonna fail
1: 100%. go on graham sorry did you have something to add to I
3: was just say, as absolutely 100 david's like now on the head i think you know it you know head office staff need to get out into, you know, the retail. It's kind of, you know, that them and us, you know, mentality across businesses need to, you know, need to be bridged. And, you know, that needs to be created from the senior leadership team, you know, down to kind of everybody that joins the business that is going to work in head office. I think it should be part of that, you know, the onboarding process that you go out and you work in, you know, you work in a store and you see firsthand, you know, not only, you know, who the customers are, Uh, but how it it works, right? How a retail business, bricks and mortar, how it works and what the
1: capabilities are. I agree. I think that's two really good takeaways because without good data and without understanding data, you can't make smart decisions. But if you don't have a rapport with the retail side of the business, it's so hard to execute anything that you want to do off the back of that data. So yeah, two very nice points to summarise and leave people with food for thought. Um, So gents, um, if anyone listening... Once exploring any of these topics in more detail, I've got a very specific question for either of you. How do they, what's the best way to reach out? So David, how how should people reach out to you?
2: LinkedIn, please. Uh, Look up David Williams. You'll find me a linked as a kind of omni-channel director, advisory consultant, et cetera, et cetera, Um, and um, reach out to me that way.
1: Okay, fantastic. Yeah, and I enjoy reading your articles. David puts a lot of interesting um, articles around the e-commerce and on my channel space. So do, do, um, do stalk him on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, and Graham, how about yourself? Yeah,
3: the same. LinkedIn's a uh, very useful tool. Uh, so, yeah, happy with uh, anyone to get in contact through there.
1: So – Thanks to both of you for joining us. Um, Really, really enjoyed talking to you, I always do. And uh, there's a lot of knowledge and insights on this episode for those listening. And thanks as always to everybody for listening. We hope you found this a enjoyable episode too. So tune in again next week for our next episode, which we focused around international growth for e-commerce. And if you haven't already, do subscribe to the podcast.